And we are back. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's been a few weeks off from the Give a Sip podcast. It's uh, just honestly been hard to find some time. Uh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks, but uh, Chris Austin here, your friendly wine portfolio manager, bringing back the Give a Sip podcast to share all of the great information that we are getting for you. Uh, so lots to cover, so I'm just going to dive right in here. I'm going to start in the policy pre- price changes and pre-sales section, starting with pre-sales. So we've got a, quite a few things going on. We have the uh, Barolo and Barbaresco portion of the BBB that is uh, getting underway. Uh, we have a very cool recording of Ian Daggett tasting the wines himself, actually, and reviewing some of the Barolos from this pre-sale. I have a few sets of those left uh, in Washington, and I believe there are some in Oregon as well. So if you do have need for some tasting for this uh, Barolo pre-sale, please do reach out. Uh, I'm going to try to reserve them for the top purchasers only. There's going to be an expectation of purchase if they get to taste the wines because there are so few available. Uh, but that is going on now. We've had good success last year. We did about 25000 I want to say it was, twenty-five, dollars $27,000 worth of BBB pre-sales. Uh, we pretty much sold out all of our Brunellos, so we're off to a good start with this. The money is definitely there to be spent. So uh, when you see this form, let's get it out to our customers. You should have it by the end of the week. Uh, for the Washington team, Jose Pastor has a new uh, set of arrivals coming in. Uh, lots of exciting things in there. Uh, you'll see that email pretty shortly. Uh, we'll do it the same way we have been doing it, targeting our key Jose Pastor accounts and expanding past there where you want. But uh, but note that you bring those pre-sales to me. Those wines should be in within a week or so. Uh, so we always do this after it has been uh, purchased and shipped so we know exactly what we're getting. And then uh, you will let me know what your people want and we'll see what we can do about getting it for them. Uh, it's all pretty limited, but pretty cool stuff for sure. So uh, definitely take a look at that when you get the email. Uh, next up is Soldera. This is uh, the iconic Brunello producer. This is coming to us from Volio. Uh, we have, I think it's about 12 bottles for Washington and Oregon got something like 15, 18 bottles, something like that. Um, so it's very, very, very limited. Um, so this is something that is not just going to be handed out. We're not going to offer a pre-sale for it. Uh, they need to be supporters of the Volio portfolio of wines. So Povero, uh, Rivetto, Scacchi Diavoli, uh, Peritico, uh, Castel Fader, uh, and, and many more coming on as we go. But, uh, but there needs to be some sort of support there just because they want one of the most iconic wines in the world. doesn't mean that we have to give it to them or we should give it to them just for that fact alone. Um, so let's try to be uh, as diplomatic about it as we can together, find a way to make all parties happy. If you have somebody interested in Soldera, let me know. I will have a pre-sale sheet built out so you can have that to offer up and send the price out, but there is not gonna be any guarantee of inventory for whatever they want. Just because they want nine bottles doesn't mean we'll give them nine bottles. They might get three, they might get none. It depends on, on where we are as an account. So, um, you know, this is this is one of the most uh, limited and coveted items that we have on the wine side. Um, so we do have to treat it with a lot of respect. Um, and then the last pre-sale going on is the champagne pre-sale, which you should be getting uh, within a week or so. I'm waiting on some final pricing before I send that out. Uh, we are going to try to set the deadline for that of June 20th. That gives us enough time to place the order, 
get it picked up before all of France goes on holidays, but we'll have it earlier than we did the previous year. That is our goal. Uh, so you should see that soon. Given all of the reopenings, I think it's worth offering up this year. We will not order just to the pre-sale, but obviously the more we can have uh, pre-sold, the better, and the more that'll help us understand what we actually need to be purchasing. So uh, please uh, take a look for that in the next week or so. I'll probably have more info by the next episode of this podcast. Uh, talking price changes. Uh, so Vega Median Brut is out for a little bit. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later on in the podcast, what's happening with Vega. But for the time being, until that Vega Brut is back, we are price matching the Emdalini. Uh, we have ordered more Emdalini as well, just to uh, offset that spike in business, because we also look like we're probably going to see a couple of weeks uh, to maybe a month and a half uh, of out of stock on the Jalance Renaissance Bruts, because there's been about a... Uh, six, seven case a week spike in the last few weeks. Uh, and that seems like that trend is going to continue. So uh, we are anticipating a little bit of uh, out of stock coming for that. So Emdalini is going to be your, your go-to pivot um, when that happens as well. Outside of policy, uh, that uh, there's a lot of price changes on the, uh, on the May 1st price sheet that was sent out a few weeks ago. I'll include it on this podcast again uh, as an email attachment just so you have that as reference point there's like 50 or so wines on there as always some went up some went down uh, and there will be more again next week for the june 1st price change sheets uh, these things happen uh, once about a month more or less for those that are new uh, we try to time it around the uh, the retail price changes their schedule is when we'll be doing most of our changes and then as far as policies go, not a lot of new stuff to write here, but just a reminder about the way the lock and key works uh, for your allocations. Make sure that you're checking out that uh, on your accounts to be submitting any allocations that are there uh, for them that have been assigned. Okay, lots of new stuff back in stock. It's been quite a few weeks, but just looking back at the last few weeks, we've got a whole bunch of the Chateau Beauvoir in uh, and for the Washington team on this uh, there is now uh, FRBEA 0102 and 03. Those are broad market. FRBEA 0405 and 06. Those are PCC only. If you have a PCC and they're ordering Chateau Beaubois, please make sure it is in the PCC only uh, item code. All of it's allocated for the time being, just because we are still uh, not super flush with with wine, because we haven't been able to get enough yet. Um, and I want to make sure that we're making this transition to the new item codes for Beaubois at PCC correctly. Uh, so the 010203 will go off of allocated and become regular once we feel like we have a consistent flow of inventory. Um, for now, they're on that allocated. You are more than welcome to take samples out and try to make some sales, but just know that um, that allocated is, is there because we are somewhat limited. Uh, another one that's been asked about quite a bit is the Barter and Trade Sauvignon Blanc from uh, from our buddy Andrew at Field Recordings. Uh, that is due to be back in mid-June. He's releasing the new vintage here in the next week or so, and then we'll pick it up and have it up here as quickly as possible. So we're anticipating a mid-June restock on that wine. Um, other than that, other things that came back into stock... Uh, we have the M&H single malt and red wine cast that came back in uh, just in time for uh, some upcoming holidays. So that's good timing for those kosher spirits for sure. 
outside of those, Clover Hill Rosé came in. For those that are looking for a fun, sparkling rosé, that's a Tasmanian rosé uh, from our buddies at Little Peacock, AUCH02 for that. Uh, Chateau Barrera came back in. For those that are looking for affordable Bordeaux, we also got quite a few things from Baron Francois. I'll have more information about the Baron Francois Bordeaux next week, but there's great scores. Those are fantastic, fantastic Bordeaux at really great pricing, uh, and that really helps support our buddies who do Chateau Labad. Uh, and, uh, and there are free samples of those as well for you guys. P.S. Uh, Timido Rosé is back. We, uh, we were missing that for the tasting on Friday of last week with Scarpetta, but it is back in stock now. It came in, uh, towards the end of the day on Friday. Uh, Paolucci Amaretto is back. Uh, Tin City's Poly Dolly Popped Rosé Cider came back in. Talking Rosé Cans. We also got the Lubanzi Sparkling Rosé Cans back. And we have now the Lubanzi Sparkling Rosé in 750s for a new item that just arrived. Other things returning back, Edmund Terry's uh, Cote d'Or Sparkling, the gold. Uh, that one's been a really hot item. We got uh, our kegs in from Frico Rosso. The kegs in general are things you're going to start to see flowing back in as restaurants are reopening. It now makes more sense to keep a reasonable amount of kegs in stock. If you have anyone interested in kegs, please do communicate that. Because, uh, you know, it's it's basically uh, starting over with kegs uh, since we haven't really had much business in that in that department for a year and a half now. So, uh, you know, we're doing our best to anticipate the needs, but it is really hard to tell because some restaurants are still not open. Some are opening slowly. And so anything you can give us uh, about your keg placements in terms of guidance in run rates and whatnot is super, super appreciated. Uh, the HB Pomerol's Pitbull came back in. It's a great summer white. Uh, Lucky Buddha beer in the 11.2 ounce came back as well. I know we had some outages with Sun Liquor's Juniper 8, but that's back in, as well as the Square One Organic Cucumber Vodka. Um, and then we had quite a few items come back in from Fossil Shenstone, uh, Izagari's Classical Rojo, the Reserva Vermouth, and then the Mancino Amaranto all came back in. Uh, and then Palo Mahoney's Skinny Margarita Mix, which we blew out uh, before Cinco de Mayo, uh, is back in stock as well. And then the last one that's come back in is the Vital Given Red Blend. Uh, going towards more out of stocks, a few things are gone for good that I want to make sure you all are aware of. The 2018 Farmlands is now gone. Uh, Two Mountains White Blend. And Leah Jorgensen's Nisa and Huga are all gone. The Nisa and Huga may come back, but I wouldn't anticipate that at all. And then Lallier in general is pretty much all gone at this point. Uh, they were bought by Campari, so they have moved on. Uh, and then WT's Gruner Veltliner is gone for at least a vintage. Uh, he did not make any in 2020 because of the fires. He's found a new site, uh, so in 2021 we're anticipating that there'll be more than we've gotten in previous years, but we won't see it until next year. So anyone who's a WT Gruner fan, turn them on to the Rock and Tour White that does have some of that same Gruner in it, but uh, the actual Gruner is not going to be in for quite a while. And then King's Favor from Morisco is going away. Uh, that whole King's series is something that the that Brent uh, Maris has decided to move away from, which is a bit of a shame because it did tell a great story about the De Mariscos, which is the uh, British aristocracy that his family comes from. Um, that's a story for another day, though. So what is going to replace that is Leafield Station. Leafield Station is the name of the sheep ranch that is on the vineyards. 
So that is a pretty similarly styled wine. Um, it's definitely, I mean, it's somewhere between the Ned and King's Favor, leaning a little more towards that King's Favor style. It's got a little of the Mallow, so it's got a little bit of uh, a body to it. A little bit less in price as well. So we're hoping that'll work well. It's going to be coming into stock in the next couple of weeks, so look out for that. Um, the Vinalba Toriga Nacional Malbec blend is out for the vintage. Uh, we took two-thirds of the entire allocation for the U.S. and sold it very quickly, and uh, that's great, and we'll get more next year. For now, uh, focus in on the regular Malbec. Those wines are fantastic, and uh, uh, Decanter just gave their winemaker some pretty prestigious press, um, and so they're, they're a pretty hot winery right now. Uh, the Vega Median Especial, Especial Seco is gone for good, um, just a note on that. And then the Anami Rosé is also gone for the vintage. That one blew out really fast, not only from us, but from the winery. They can't believe how quickly they sold through it. Uh, they will make more next year. That new label is beautiful with the new female winemaker. She's killing it. So, uh, so look out for more next year, but unfortunately that is gone for the year. So talking out of stocks, I mentioned Vega Median Brutes earlier. So we will have one last restock of 800 cases of that brute, which is due in the middle of June. After that, about two weeks later, we'll see the Carena brute and rosé arrive. Carena is what is replacing the Vega Median. So on hand, Vega Median rosé, when we sell out of that, it's Carena. When we get this last shipment of the brutes, when we sell out of that, it's Carena. That's going to be matching that price point. Vega Median is getting a new label and is becoming certified organic, and that wine is due in the middle of July. The price point's going to go up. Uh, I believe Anton sent a note about it last week, so we'll see $7 to start, and then it'll slowly creep up from there. Uh, but that is going to be the first certified organic cava at that price point in the marketplace, so it should, should do quite well, and then the Carena is going to be there to help with those glass pours that have really just been about the price point and quality. So it's all coming from the same place still, the same same winery. Um, the quality is great. The packaging is an upgrade. So uh, that shouldn't be too hard of a transition for most people. Uh, please do note that the Vega uh, UPCs are staying with the Vega bottlings. So the UPCs that are at your retailers are going to be set to the, uh, to the wine that's going up higher in price point. Uh, we sent out the UPCs for Corena alongside that email. So if you need to let anybody know about it for the transition, just to keep the pricing where they want it, uh, you know that's that's there for you. Um, feel free to reach out to myself or Andy if it's a chain um, to try to assist with that information. Um, but that is Vega. That's an important one. That's one of our top brands, one of our top SKUs with the Brute for sure. Um, so this is a very important transition. So we are trying are to stay on top of it as best we can and keep you updated as best we can. As far as arrivals go, we got a couple of rosés in. So we got the Jacques Bourguignon rosé, which is exciting, um, making the trilogy of wines, the Pinot, the Chard, and the rosé. The Esprit Sauvignon Blanc is likely going to stay as Esprit for a little bit longer, and then hopefully someday we'll get it into the Jacques Bourguignon Sauvignon Blanc line. But for now, it's separate. And we've got just the Pinot, the Chardonnay, and the Rosé. Under Jacques Bourguignon, that wine has been on fire. The Pinot has in particular. So uh, having a Rosé is just, is just I think, going to be great for the brand for the for the summer and beyond. Uh, we did get the Malou Rosé 2020 in. The 2019 blew out really fast. So uh, I, I expect that that'll sell really well again this year. 
And then we got the Chateau Terrebonne Rosean at the end of end of the week. Um, the Terrebonne has a really, really excellent package to it. It's got those sort of diamond studded uh, bottle. Uh, I'm not quite sure how else to explain that. You just kind of have to see it. Um, but this is a great new Provence option as well. If somebody uh, is just not that excited by the QT Classique, this is a great place to turn. And that is FRCTB01. Uh, I mentioned the Lubanzi Sparkling Rosé in 750s came in earlier. And then also uh, Eschbrow's Colecta White Blend, the organic uh, 2019 PT ESP13 just arrived. Um, Brook and Bull, we did just get some Petite Verdot. And that is WAMC25. I know some people were asking about that. I want to take a quick moment here just to talk about what's going to happen with Brook and Bull. Uh, they have basically blown up. Ashley's gotten super popular. And so we are going to see, uh, starting from now essentially, that there's going to be two sets of allocations a year, a fall and a spring allocation. And we are going to set our fall allocation here shortly. And what's going to end up happening is we're going to start selling out of wines. Uh, until that file allocation is released to us. So I'll try my best to keep you posted on what's what and when things are going and, and whatnot. If you're looking to book things for wine clubs, if you're looking to use them for, well, probably not glass pours because of the price point, but if there's something you need to just ensure continuity uh, or guarantee a ship date, you know, let's talk about it. Uh, it's going to be a transition from what we've been doing. I think it's fine um, because her wines are getting more and more popular. The demand is definitely there. You know, we should be able to keep uh, our level of of supply up there. It just won't come in these little trickles. We'll basically get 20 cases in the fall instead of getting two every couple of weeks or whatever. Um, so just a slight change coming, but you'll get more information as it gets settled. Um, and then you've been seeing some good uh, vintage change information from Amy. Thank you for keeping that up, Amy. But the Esperal Bico Amarillo is a big one. We're now in the 2020 with that. That's one of your Vino Verdes of choice. Uh, you know, we had Vance on the podcast uh, several weeks ago talking about uh, the the region and the style and how it's different and why this is is a really interesting wine. Just for those that weren't here when that was pod, uh, was released, um, that podcast talked about this wine because it is a still vino verde it doesn't have that spritzy sweetness to it it's not a it's not that style of vino verde it's it's a much more serious wine than that so please do uh take a listen back on that if you if you haven't had a chance i can resend it to you if you need and then there's one going announcement uh here which is mara molino they have uh, decided to change distribution uh to unique and uh so we will sell out what we have I don't believe our pending order is going to be coming our way. Um, I'll keep you posted if I hear any different than that. But for now, just assume what's on hand is it. Uh, it's a bummer. We've done well with them. Uh, they were just looking for a change, I guess. They changed uh, some things on their end as well. And I think that kind of prompted it. Uh, lots of new suppliers are, are coming down the, the pipe here. Uh, and uh, let's see. Cadence is one that I just wanted to take a quick moment on here just to make sure everyone's clear on what's happening with Cadence in the Washington market. So uh, we are working with Cadence, which is really exciting because they are a very prestigious Washington brand. Uh, I'm, I'm actually really excited that we got them to come on board. But for the time being, it is only for Eastern Washington and Idaho. They are still going south on anything west of the mountains, basically. Um, if you're up north or down south, kind of in the in the uh, outside King Snowhoe County areas, 
you know, we can talk about some things. Uh, it'd be case by case is my guess because they have uh, a guy named Greg who, who covers Western Washington for them and, and helps with the self-direct. Um, so we can have that conversation, but for now, just kind of assume it's off, off limits. Um, I'm hoping that at some point we'll be able to change that. But for now, it's just for the Eastern Washington Idaho team. So just so you know, that's that's there. Um, it's in the catalog as such. But if anybody asks, just direct them my way, and I can help. Uh, I can help clear it up for you. Other than that, uh, who's in town? Or who's coming into town for the supplier news? Uh, we are looking at a visit from Volio and a visit from Folktale here in the near future. I'll keep you posted on those. Both of them will be end of June, early July. Um, so Jason from Folktales, actually, uh, his wife's due in this next week or so. So, uh, we, we will uh, set his date after they have the baby and he kind of gets settled back in. But, uh, Sarah from Volio is amazing. Uh, she is super effective too, and has been really fun to work with so far. So I, I'm excited to get her into the market. We're talking about doing some more of those kind of events like we did last Friday, which by the way, thank you all for coming out for that. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, the pig roast was a lot of fun uh, and it was great for you all to get to meet each other. A lot of you hadn't seen each other face to face yet. Uh, certainly hadn't met Chris Zimmerman yet, who's quite a character. And uh, and it was just a good time. And I would like to try to do more of that. So I'm, I'm trying to think about ways to kind of incorporate more suppliers into those things. So uh, stay tuned for more info on that. Outside of that, new deals, there's not a ton of new stuff other than new pricing I mentioned earlier. Um, new swag, you know, I gave out a lot of bags on Friday, so we're, we're through all the wine bags that I was given. I'll make another ask, but I don't, I don't know how many more I'll be able to get. Uh, I'm still waiting for some, some tap handles. I'm still waiting for more uh, stoppers. Somebody pillaged all my stoppers at one point uh, on a day when I wasn't at the office, and so uh, I, I don't have nearly as many as I was hoping we would have right now. Uh, I do have some wine keys. Uh, we have some other, other swag pieces there for sure. So just ask and we'll figure out what you need. For POS purposes though, um, that is something to go to Victor for right now. Uh, and in general, uh, you are likely going to have to be responsible for a lot of the POS creation, which is a little different than what has been going on in the past. Um, so just note that if you do need POS, talk to Victor and you may need to do some of it on your own. Um, and then lots of new scores rolling in. They're in the catalog and in AMW Plus. I'm not going to uh, bore you guys with those because I'm already running long here. But lots of new scores and exciting info on that. So everyone loves good press. Quickly for chain updates, Town & Country, we just got the uh, QT Classic for July. So you all saw that email. Uh, PCC is taking the most of the rest of our Vital Rosé. So just so you all know, Vital Rosé is pretty close to being done for the vintage as well. Um, that was a deal that uh, that they worked out with Jeff, kind of somewhat separate of me um, in terms of taking the rest of it. So uh, so they took more than I would have liked to have offered them. But, uh, but it is what it is. Uh, so we'll move on and keep selling more smack. Uh, that seems to be the winner for, for domestic rosé, for Washington rosé certainly right now. Uh, and then anyone uh, having any issues with Povero tags still, please let me know. Uh, we can uh, work on that with Andy. I know there was some confusion uh, with the unique transfer uh, a couple of weeks ago, but I think from what I've heard, most of that's been sorted. And then lastly, we've got the Golden Chardonnay going on in both Washington and Oregon. 
uh, for Whole Foods markets. That program is underway. I've seen a bunch of orders starting to come through. So please make sure you are touching base with your stewards about Golden Chardonnay uh, for the program. Now I'm going to turn it over to Pat, uh, the beloved Drinking with Pat segment. Uh, today we've got some mojitos. So enjoy. So we're back with Pat here for, for the next Pat, what, uh, what are we drinking today? Well, Chris uh, and gang, grab your bow ties and your, and your fancy derby hats because we are doing, a, uh, in celebration of the 147th running of the Kentucky Derby, I felt it was uh, apropos to, uh, to do the um, uh, focus on mint julep this week. Okay. How's that? How's that sound? Um, you know, it's a, uh, kind of a cool thing. I was doing a little research on mint julep, and um, you know, the the drink itself dates back to about the 1780s. And of course, um, you know, it's it was described, you know, mainly as uh, mint uh, concoction with uh, a spirit uh, as a medicinal uh, concoction, um, and then uh, and then it reappears in a, uh, a book called um, The Travels of, of Four and a Half Years in the United States by a guy named uh, John Davis. Um, and uh, it's yeah, it about 1803 on, on that, when that book came out. Um, and really, it was uh, with his travels in uh, Southern Virginia uh, that the, uh, the wealthy socialites um, had a... Uh, a, a, a drink that they would drink in the mornings, um, you know, when they were doing like, you know, kind of uh, fancy, you know, breakfast and that kind of stuff. Um, and it was uh, spirits with uh, sugar and, and, uh, and crushed ice, essentially. Now, back then in the, in the early 1800s, the, um, the upper class, they didn't, they didn't drink bourbon. Um, I didn't drink uh, American whiskey. It was kind of considered low class. So they were typically making their uh, mint juleps with, um, you know, either like Genevieve or rum or imported cognac. And that was really kind of their go-to, you know, spirits back then. Um, it wasn't until the mint julep was um, co-opted by, you know, uh, the, the greater population at large and the ease and inexpensiveness of American whiskey where the, that actually became kind of the standardized base ingredient for, for what you know today as the mint julep. Um, so kind of, a, kind of an interesting, um, uh, you know, history there with, uh, with this cocktail. Yeah, very and, yeah. Well, you know, and fast forward to 1938, where the mint julep, um, as we know today, it became the official drink of the Kentucky Derby. Um, and, you know, in the two days that they run the Derby, you know, you've got the big race, um, but they also run side races before the actual, uh, you know, big, big Derby race. They, they serve uh, over 120,000 juleps in that two-day period. <laughs> wow. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Um, but it's a pretty, pretty simple drink to make. I mean, really, today I'm going to, you know, use Freeland uh, bourbon from uh, from our gals down in, in Portland. Um, 
going to uh, need some simple syrup. So, you know, from our book, you can either use the, um, the JM uh, syrup to con, or you can use the uh, Palin Mahoney simple syrup. You need some crushed ice. And if you're fancy and you got a silver plated julep cup, um, that would be great. Or you could also just use a regular Collins glass or a wine glass, um, either or. But really, you just need uh, two ounces of bourbon. You need a half ounce of simple syrup. And you need four to five fresh uh, sprigs of mint. Um, you're going to take those mint leaves, put them in the, in the base of, the, um, uh, of your uh, you know, julep cup or whatever kind of vessel you have. Going to take a spoon or a muddling um, uh, muddler and uh, add your half ounce of simple syrup. Put your two ounces of bourbon in there. You're just going to do a nice little kind of a light uh, muddle in there. You don't want to really, you know, pulverize that mint. Um, you just kind of want to gently break it open into that bourbon and simple syrup mix. Um, then you're going to uh, add in your crushed ice. You're going to put, uh, if you've got a julep spoon, that's even better. That's kind of one of those uh, silver or steel spoon or straws that has a little spoon at the end. Um, you're going to do a nice little uh, stir in the glass. You're going to kind of get that uh, water um, dissolving off of that ice uh, to kind of dilute the drink. And then take a nice little fresh sprig of mint and pop it on top to make it look pretty. And there you go. You are all set with uh, with your Kentucky Derby mint julep. Um, Easy. Goes great with seersucker. What's that? It goes great with a seersucker? Yeah. yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, and the, the, the julep cup, the, the silver-plated julep cup, I mean, that's actually kind of an ode to the early 1800s in southern Virginia. I mean, these were really wealthy people that were breaking out all of the fine, you know, uh, china and silver, having their their brunch cocktails. <laughs> um, I think if you're in Kentucky, in Louisville, and you go uh, to the Kentucky Derby, you could pay upwards of a thousand dollars for a gold-plated mint julep. Oh, that's gonna get real fancy. That's the, you only get that if you win. If you win the bet. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So it's a great drink. Uh, it's got a lot of history to it. Um, you know, try it out though if you want. If you're feeling adventurous, try it with um, some uh, Freeland Geneva, or you know, try it with um, some uh, RL Seal Twelve Year um, or some Camu Cognac. You don't really have to stick with uh, with bourbon, even though that's kind of the um, the standard nowadays. But like I said, the the origins of the drink did not start with uh with american whiskey that's yeah that's super fascinating i had no idea actually i always assumed it was a it, bourbon was the, the uh the foundation for the drink and it's actually mint that's the foundation for the drink it seems yeah to tell you the truth high society um you know really didn't uh consume all that much uh, american whiskey they wanted all the import stuff they wanted imported champagnes imported cherries madeiras um and imported you know spirits interesting that, that was that was the fancy <laughs> the fancy stuff <laughs> awesome well we'll feel fancy with the the race when when is the race is it this weekend that's this weekend may 1st yep first. Awesome. so that's well, uh, we, that's drinking juleps with pat this week <laughs> there you go i love it cool thanks man thanks for the uh the recipe and the suggestions and Hopefully everyone's going to enjoy a nice julep with their big hats and 
in tin cups this weekend. <laughs> Seersuckers and bow ties. There you go, man. <laughs> All, right. All right, my friend. I'll catch you next week. Thank you. All right, talk to you next week. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Yay! All right. That was our buddy Pat talking about mojitos. Nice and refreshing. Perfect for the uh, warm weather we've been having recently. On the wine side, uh, the separate interview that is, always accompanies these podcasts is going to be with Matt Ron from Two Mountains. He's going to be talking about his sustainable farming conversion that he's done recently and sharing a little bit of his his family history and whatnot uh, and just in general. Matt Ron is is one of my favorite uh, people that we work with. Two Mountains has been part of the AW portfolio for forever uh, and is really the uh, the pillar of our Washington portfolio. Uh, and you know we've we've grown together so much. And uh, if you haven't taken those wines out recently, I highly recommend that you do so. Um, always a great value, always great quality, and, and just great people. So wrapping up this episode here, I'm going to take a quick minute to talk about a wine that I've tried recently, which is the Borgo Tilio Mili Ponche. Uh, Borgo Tilio is uh, my favorite winery in Friuli, and and quite possibly one of my favorite wineries in Italy. Um, they are what I, I think of when I think of how to define a, the region. Um, and it's just a pretty, uh, pretty amazing winery with a pretty amazing story. Uh, Nicola Manferrari uh, took over his family's vineyards. It's just tales old time. Uh, but they have this incredible farmhouse on the countryside of, of Colio. Uh, which is just, uh, you know, it's like out of Beauty and the Beast or something like that, like that sort of uh, iconic kind of it has this weird sort of overcast uh, sense to it all the time, even when it's sunny. Um, but it's just so intense uh, and uh, and majestic, I guess, is the word to use for that. Um, but this one in particular, the Mille Ponche, is this really cool project that they're doing uh, off the Ponca Slope. So uh, it's sort of a Slovenian Friulian hybrid. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Friuli juts up right against Slovenia, and there's parts of the area where you can literally sit on one hill and then look down the valley of, into Slovenia. Uh, it is very, very close. And uh, they believe, Nikola believes, uh, as a lot of people do, that you know the, the borders are somewhat arbitrary. Um, you know, we also work with Alish at Movia, and it's a similar story with him. You know, he's got uh, vines in Italy, but a post box in Slovenia. Uh, and this is sort of the, the uh, vice versa of that. Um, so this is a Riesling, actually, believe it or not, which you don't really see much of in, in Friuli. Um, but you're on these really awesome marl and sandstone layered soils uh, that date back 50 million years uh, back to when it was a seabed. Um, and it's it just uh it's got this crazy way of you know you get this sense of some fantastic mosul rieslings but at the same time you know you're not in the mosul it has this depth and, and body to it that wouldn't be mosul so you start to think it of friuli with that because of the complexity and depth that i often get from friuli and whites uh but it's riesling it's just sort of this uh for lack of a better term kind of a mind fuck of a wine and uh, I really think it's cool. And if you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. It's one of the one of the few wines that we can keep in a decent supply at the moment. Uh, Borgatilio is going to be offered up in the fall as a pre-sale for the rest of their wines, uh, for the for the classical lines and whatnot. Uh, but um, 
yeah, it's a super cool wine. If you haven't tried it, I really, really think you should because it, it'll it'll blow your mind a little bit. Uh, and it's what it's why we do these things to have have fun wines that'll blow your mind once in a while. Uh, so outside of that, uh, upcoming eblast campaigns. Uh, we did just meet last week to kind of review Q3, so we'll be setting up a lot more of that and send out some more info shortly. But this next week, it's going to be Father's Day uh, focused. So the last week of May, the week of May 31st, Father's Day focused. Uh, with that, as you would expect, it's going to be mostly mictors and, and whiskey based. Uh, the next week, we're going to focus in on summer solstice. So really looking at some good summer whites, things like pescador and whatnot to focus in there. Um, June 14th, uh, we ran out of ideas <laughs> for the week, so it's just called It's June. Uh, it's June gin, uh, some tonic, and some other ideas from, from Pat uh, around gin and tonics, but the June gin is going to be the big focus for that. And then for June 21st, uh, we are going to be posting about International Rosé Day, which is actually on June 25th, but that week we'll be posting it for International Rosé Day, so a big feature on our 2020 rosés, and then uh, one of Pat's rosé gins will be featured as well. So those are the next couple of e-blasts. Uh, I will resend the, the actual uh, item list as well. Um, I know you all like to see those in advance so that you can uh, make sure that your customers are aware of the sales. And if they're going to be buying something, you know, the Friday before an offer goes out on Tuesday, we're not going to run into this issue where they get all pissed off at you because they just bought a wine at full price. And now today, two days later, it's it's on sale. So uh, so do take a look at that so you can help kind of skirt those issues uh, as well. And then uh, let's see, top sales rep last week was Ben Reese. He's, he's hitting his busy season. So I feel like I'm going to be saying that name a lot in the next couple of months. Uh, so Ben, great job. Way to, way to get out there and, and, and stay strong. Um, this is a section as well for the new people. And just in general, as a reminder that if you guys want to send me questions throughout the week, uh, that are just, uh, things that you, that you need to know. Um, if it's something that I feel like is a broader knowledge question that is needed and not just specific to your needs, I'll start plugging them in here, uh, so that I can answer them for everybody. Um, I don't really have anything at the moment. But, uh, but that's where I'll put it. Uh, we'll also start mentioning new hires. Uh, there's a lot, so I'm not going to say them all right now. Y'all know who you are. I met most of you uh, at the Pig Roast on Friday. It's great to have you on board. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to work with you all. Um, but I feel like if I listed everybody's name, we'd, I'd be doing this for like five minutes. Uh, I'll also mention any new incentives as they come in. Nothing really new to report at the moment. And then, just as a reminder, I'll put any corrections from the previous podcast. It's been four weeks, so I guess the correction here is that I will do the next one sooner. Um, and I'll do a little teaser for an upcoming episode. Next week, we're going to talk with Pete Stoltman. Uh, we're going to focus in on Washington Wine Month, which is in August. And we're going to talk a lot about summer wine, so rosé, canned wines, talk a lot about hoxie, things like that. Uh, and I'll talk about some of the pending arrivals, which are, as previously mentioned, Jose Pastor. We're going to actually have the Raventos wines coming in, which is a wonderful counterpart to Agosti Tuero Mata for icons of Cava. And Quabel should be in, in the next couple of weeks, too. So I'll have more updates on that next week. Um, thanks for bearing with me, guys. I know this one was a little bit choppy. It felt a little choppy to me, at least. So hopefully it doesn't, list, it doesn't uh, sound as choppy. Um, a little out of practice, so I'll get back into the swing of things here. Um, but uh, I, I appreciate all of the feedback I've gotten. If there's more feedback for me, if there's things you're missing from this 
uh, podcasts that you really want to hear. If there's things I'm rambling on about that just don't matter to you, uh, you know, tell, let me know. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Uh, I just want to make this as effective as I can for you. And uh, the feedback over the last few weeks when there wasn't one uh, that it was that you were missing it was uh, was appreciated and definitely got me inspired to get back into uh, to doing these again. And just talking about inspiration, I know it's been a fucking hell of a you know year plus of of hard hard times not just for the pandemic but also things that have been changing uh with the company and and trying to keep up and all the new additions and all the the change changes as i said um it's exhausting it can be really really tiring guys uh and i know i've been feeling burnt out a bit over the last uh month or two um i'm i can't imagine that you all aren't feeling that too um just know that you know we we're here to support you uh and to help you do your job as best you can because as anton's mentioned at other times you know you're you're that that front line uh you know and this job can't this business can't really run without you out there making the sales and making those those calls and um getting in front of our customers uh together and so uh, I just encourage you to reach out with any questions or to invite me to come join you for tastings. Uh, I'm doing more and more of that. I'm, I miss doing that. I uh, am sick of looking at spreadsheets every day. I'd like to go out and talk about wine some more. <laughs> so please do, uh, please do use me. I'm here. I'm here for you. Um, but also just in all of that, uh, you know, make sure that you're thinking about yourselves. You're taking care of yourselves your, uh, you know, it, it's a lot to have to go through. Uh, and it's okay if at times, uh, it's too much. Um, you know, just, just let us know, let me know. I'm happy to help if you just can't do it one day. I know there's days where I just can't do it and it's just hard to, to sit down and, and get the work done. Um, but we're, we're at a point where, you know, it's nothing but opportunity ahead of us. So, uh, if you have those days, just reach out for help. It's not, it's not a bad thing to ask for help. Um, so we're here to, to be part of your network, to be your support. Um, and just in general, make sure you're taking that time to, uh, to take the self care. I have a friend, um, who in this last year and a half had a, uh, a brain tumor that, that came up and it was, um, it, it's been really hard to watch her struggle through, uh, kind of relearning her life. She was a chef. Uh, she was a chef I worked with in New York. Um, and there's actually an article about her in food and wine that you all can go read. Her name is Allie Plumer, uh, P L U M E R. Um, and she, uh, she just was having trouble getting, um, her work done, getting her, keep staying focused, um, you know, not losing her temper and things like that. And she couldn't figure out what was wrong because she was always such a nice, um, pleasant person and was really uh, excelling in the industry. And And it turns out she had this brain tumor and uh, just watching her struggles as she's tried to rehabilitate and get back into life, it makes me, you know, think about and just realize that uh, there's more to, to life than our jobs. There's more to life. Uh, than than just one thing um and you you need to make sure you're taking care of yourselves to to be able to take care of others and so uh, just leaving you with that 
today. Thanks for listening as always. Uh, thanks for giving a sip and I hope to see you all out on the field soon.